Welcome to Crossroad Church's Sermon of the Week podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Bob Ellis. A lot of churches do exactly what we do, which I'm not sure why we do that. We put a big old clock at the very end. You know, they do not have clocks in Latin America in the back of the church. I mean, a service might go three hours um, And so that clock is to remind me how long we speak. I don't even know if it's working today. But today, we have a different kind of clock that's measuring my time. It's going to be the halls and the water that I have right here. When they run out, I'm done, all right? So that's how you'll know when the sermons, when the wrapping paper stops flying. We'll be in Acts chapter 2 today. Pardon me for the little nasally preaching sermon today. It's... We used to call it hay fever. I don't know what they call it down in Texas. You guys say hay fever? Just allergies, that's all you call it? We used to call it hay fever. All right. This is not, and i got to give you a little, a little backdrop on, on this. And this is really not considered technically Pentecost. You know, there's a little bit more time. It usually lines up a little more with the, the Jewish festival of Shabbat. But, but I wanted us to start a new series this month. And I really wanted to jump into the issue, not the issue necessarily, but the presence of the Holy Spirit uh, to set the stage for the whole series. And the series is called The Blueprint for the Church. And there is no blueprint without the Holy Spirit moving and empowering and guiding our steps. I remember the first time I, I did a project in the San Antonio building, and that building is probably twice as old as this building, and this one's probably getting close to, what, 30 years, somebody who knows, maybe 30 years, and that one's probably 60, maybe 70. And I remember we were doing projects, and, and we would discover things. We would discover things in the building, and inevitably we would ask the question, what were they thinking? You know, you just, if somebody had an idea But 60 years ago, it probably made a lot of sense to them, but it doesn't make any sense to us now in in this time period. And I've said that over and over and over again, and then I've started to say it a little bit about this property as well since becoming pastor. And and the great thing is 30 years from now, there's going to be someone who's going to say, what was he thinking? And uh, and I'm not going to leave him any notes because no one left me any notes, and I just want them to suffer through it. But builders actually do leave notes. It's called a blueprint. And and you unroll that, and it's it's really kind of a unique type of paper. And it's kind of what it says, right? It's blue. And you unroll it, and you you see everything from where the electrical conduit's going to run to where the the pipes for the drains and all that. You can see it all measured out perfectly. And if some of you are are experts at reading blueprints. I found myself kind of flipping it around a few times, and eventually I figured out some of the things in the one in San Antonio. But a blueprint is a guide for someone else who follows after you. Well, thankfully, we don't have to read something that's 30 years old or 60 years old. Now you say, wait a minute, we're reading something that's 2,000 years old. Yes, we are. In some cases, if we go back to the Old Testament, even further. And, and we also don't have to worry about what was going on because we have something that no one else had, and that's the Holy Spirit to guide us. We have the Holy Spirit to explain what's going on. And so the blueprint for the church was not this just 
blue paper that says, okay, go do this. No, we have the Holy Spirit to guide us through that. So not only do you have the blueprint, but you have the Holy Spirit teaching us what to do. And so we're going to look in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, just to start off. And the scripture says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to the rest, and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Jesus had told them and told his disciples right before his ascension that he was going to leave. But for them to go back into Jerusalem and to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, they didn't understand a lot about the Holy Spirit. In fact, it probably goes similar to what I put for the title, the Holy Question Mark. Uh, I, re- I saw a pastor who called the, uh, had a, preached a sermon called The Holy Who. I mean, we, we know about God the Father. We, we understand about Jesus. Or at least Jesus, when he walked with the disciples, he was revealing himself. In fact, he would say, the Father and I are one. But then he started talking about someone else. Someone else that really drew a question mark on their brains. The Holy Spirit. John chapter 14 says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And I reread John chapter 14, thinking about the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit, and what the disciples were probably trying to decide, what is he talking about? And he gives us a little, little glimpse of what and who the Holy Spirit is. He says, you know him, he is a person. He walks with you now. Well, how is that possible? Except God was walking with him in the person of Jesus. So we're starting to get a glimpse of the Trinity. And, and Jesus says, the world's not going to understand because they don't know him. They don't know me. But you will. Because he lives with you now. Well, remember, Jesus said somewhere else that I must go so that the Father can send the Holy Spirit. So who is he referring to? He's referring to the Trinity. He's referring to the fact that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are the same. He says, I live with you now. He lives with you now. But eventually, he will live in you. And I got to thinking, a lot of times when we think about the Holy Spirit, we, where the Holy Spirit resides, we, we often say, at least when conversion and salvation, we invite people to what? Ask Jesus into their heart. Now, some tribes, some places around the world, I've shared this before, they think that's the craziest thing in the world. Some, some of them in Papua New Guinea said you have to invite him through your eyes. Because culturally and contextually, that makes more sense. But what Jesus is telling them is that one day the Holy Spirit will not just be walking alongside of them like Jesus, but will be living inside of them and inside of us. The living God is not just sitting beside us during the service. The living God is inside of us. And 
as I was just kind of reflecting on the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, I think sometimes we think God's with me. No, God is in you, not with you. With gives this, gives this impression of distance. Because with means, I mean, if, if I say you're with me, well, Glenda's about eight feet, ten feet away from me, but she's with me. Tom's way back there. He's with me. We're with each other. But with doesn't quite communicate who and where the Holy Spirit is in a moving. He is moving from the inside out, not from the outside in. Or I guess he could be outside in too, because he's everywhere. But we don't want to limit the fact that God is in us. And I think sometimes language just does that. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit's going to be inside of you. He's going to be leading you. He's going to be the presence of God now setting up inside of your heart. Jesus had an encounter with the woman at the well in John chapter 4. And that whole discussion of where do we worship? And you remember, maybe you remember the passage. But Jesus says the true worshipers are going to worship me in spirit and truth. No longer is it going to be a building where people gather. It's going to be in here. It's going to be different. The Holy Spirit is now in us. So the blueprint of the church was never for us to look backwards and say, what are we supposed to do? It was always a forward-thinking type of church. Yes, we can look back and see what some of the others did, but the Holy Spirit would give the interpretation and explain to us what happened. A little later on in John chapter 14, the Scripture says, and John records this for us, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. So the Spirit's role in you, not with you, but inside of you, moving is also reminding and teaching. And he's also an advocate, a representative. Jesus says he's going to come in my name. So the blueprint of the church can't exist without the interpretation of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's job is to show us what the church should look like. Any kind of series that we can attempt on what the church looks like is going to fall short if we don't give the Holy Spirit the place uh, in, in that series. Now, if you look at churches around the world, China, Chinese churches meet in homes. Uh, there are some churches that meet in giant facilities, and there's there's probably a lot more cell church, micro church, house churches than there are if you look and compare them to traditional brick and mortar churches. So the church looks different. Churches have different musical styles. Some have no instruments. Some have all the instruments. Some raise their hands. Some don't. Some kneel a lot more than others. And so church can look different, or at least we can use that word church. But the blueprint of the church, the body of Christ, is only going to be as understood as we understand the presence of the Holy Spirit. So I want to look at just a quickly just a little bit about the Holy Spirit uh, in some other passages this morning. In 1 Corinthians, Paul writes this to the church. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? Once again, here we go. I guess with could have been translated there. But in you, whom you have received from God, you are not your own. 
You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And there are other passages that talk about how the old has passed away and all things have come new. And so what we see here is that when the Holy Spirit comes into us, he is invited in, not forced in. And the old you and me is escorted out. Have you ever heard of the, the, the expression, they escort someone out of a place? Someone's misbehaving at a store or misbehaving at a public place, or someone even resigns at their job and they have a lot of clearance and they have a lot of codes and they have a lot of things and they doesn't mean that they're mad at them, but they escort them out because they carry a lot of sensitive information in their facility. And so the idea that came to me when I was thinking about escorting the old me out is it'd probably take some armed guards to get the old me out. When you escort out the old, the old goes kicking and screaming. But the Holy Spirit comes in and takes the place. Paul is writing to the church and says, you have received the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came at a price. Now that price goes back to what we talked about at Calvary and Jesus. And because of that price, because of what's happening, the Holy Spirit in you, honor God with your bodies. You know, when, when I hear people say, well, you know what, God's forgiven me. I can, I can do, you know, I don't think this is wrong. It's okay. Maybe they're, maybe they're right. All you have to do is ask God who's living in you, is that the right thing to do? Is that the right thing to say? Is that the right place to go? Is that the right thing to see? Because if we honor God with our bodies, and if we remember that the Holy Spirit is living within, inside of us, Guess who's going to recall or remind us or teach us what is the right thing to do? It's the Holy Spirit. If we remember that he has escorted the old man out. And he is what is new and alive and all that is good inside of us. So no church without the Holy Spirit can even be a church. Are there dead churches? Yeah, probably. Wherever God is not welcome and present, yes. But where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst. Later on, or I guess it could be earlier on, but Paul also wrote to the Romans and he said, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. It took a while for me to understand this, but I remember there was a, um, a prayer request I had. There was a, uh, a family in the church that was going through great trouble. And I remember not having the words to pray for them, but feeling broken for them. And I remember just praying and praying, and then I remember no words were really coming out. And I felt like the Spirit was praying for me. The Spirit was interceding. The Spirit was speaking up see the holy spirit speaks up for you have you ever seen someone who's maybe being mistreated maybe being bullied or maybe not having uh, the, the the confidence to to really stand up for themselves and and hopefully there's always that some person that will stand up for them the holy spirit 
is the one who stands up for you and for me and for others. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. The church will be weak at times. In fact, we'll probably be weak more times than we're not weak. But God says, I've sent you an advocate. He doesn't live on the outside of the church. He lives on the inside of the church, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he will help you in your weakness. I probably should have left a whole page for this, but do you know your weaknesses? Do you know them? Um, you know, I think I always thought I knew some of my weaknesses. When I got married, I realized a lot more of them. Not only did Arlene point them out, but I painfully realized them when I would see them verbalized. You know, when, you, when you're in close proximity with people, you start to see their weaknesses. You start to see those things that, that they need help in in those areas. Sometimes we don't know how to fix our weaknesses. Sometimes in the church we don't know how to fix the things that are broken. In fact, the other day, Pastor Antonio and I were fixing, you know, I, I tell you, when I studied for ministry, I should have had at least one-fourth of my studies should have been in repair. I mean, I didn't know how many things that you have to do to be a pastor. And they told me the other day, said there's a toilet out in the church. And I'm like, I can handle this. I fixed a couple in San Antonio. But there was a, a pipe that was broken. And I said, oh, that one's a little beyond my skill set. Because we have to shut the water off, that valve there. If I do it wrong, the whole thing's going to flood. And I said, I don't think I can handle. This one was beyond my ability. You see, when the Holy Spirit comes in, there are things that are broken within the church. This is the church, remember? Not the building. There's some things that are broken inside of us. And only the Holy Spirit has the certification to fix it. And we need to know when to stop trying to fix it and when to start to turn it over to Him. Probably the sooner the better. And so the Holy Spirit will make intercession for us to the Father. So now we have God living in us, communicating to God the Father in the name of Jesus so that the church can grow up into the fullness of what God has called it to grow up into. And Paul says, the Holy Spirit will speak on your behalf, will, will pray for your weaknesses and strengthen you. Paul seems to be the expert here because he writes again in Ephesians. And he says something else about the Holy Spirit. He says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve. Well, the Greek word there is lupeo, and, and it, yeah, it can mean grieve. It could also mean sadness. But it's, in its base form, it could also be translated into annoy or annoyance. Are there certain things that annoy you? Like, if someone's chewing their fingernails, or if someone's just incessantly just fidgeting with a noise or a paper or a sound or a snore or a leaky faucet. I mean, do you have things that annoy you? Different tones, different pitches. Probably my nasally preaching today annoys you. Um, did you know that God can be annoyed or grieved or saddened? Paul says, don't grieve, don't annoy the Holy Spirit. 
God is living inside of you. You know, I thought going off to college was going to be the greatest thing. But let me tell you, when you live with a roommate, it gets, you know, I will say my roommate was, he was, he was pretty good. But I got to thinking now, I probably annoyed him. I probably was a little messy. He brought all of the, the, the appliances. He brought the microwave, the refrigerator. He says, what are you going to bring to the room? The Nintendo? And, and uh, he, yeah, okay. Uh, I brought nothing, pretty much, except my particularly annoying traits. Now, I think he had some, but great guy. Looking back, great guy. But when you live with someone, you can start to annoy people, even if you love them. Well, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And Paul says, make sure you don't annoy God. Make sure you don't grieve God. Make sure you don't make God sad. Can God get sad? You bet you he can. He gets sad when we are not listening to his spirit that's living with inside of us, or living inside of us. He says, if you want a blueprint for the church, listen. Listen to me speak. Not only am I going to walk beside you, I'm going to be in you, telling you which way to go, left or right. Jumping back to, to Romans, Paul says this about the Holy Spirit. He says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit brings something new to the table for the church. Before, the church that was experienced by the disciples was a very rigid church. A lot of man-made rules. I'm sure we've got some as well. But the Pharisees and the Sadducees would often fight over which one of those rules were the best rules. The church had drifted into tradition, had drifted into rulemaking, and less about the presence of God. But now the kingdom of God is with us and in us and moving. And Paul says, it's not a matter of eating and drinking. When you think about a table, you think when you sit down at a table... That's what goes there, food and drink. And he says, no, there's, there's something more at the table when the Holy Spirit comes. See, those are physical things. Eating and drinking are tangible things. He says when the Holy Spirit comes on the church, there will be the, the church will have the ability to experience righteousness or holiness, peace and joy. Those don't sound like tangible things to me that you can actually touch. Those are the intangibles. I, I, I was, I'm fascinated every year by the NFL draft and how they, how they pick guys. So they have seven rounds of, of, of choosing players. And every year, someone who's just super talented drops out of round one and goes down to round two, round three, round four. But there was this one guy last year, not this year's draft, but last year, and he was the last, I believe he was the last man drafted. And they call him Mr. Irrelevant. Can you imagine that your title is Mr. Irrelevant? And every year that's the title that the last guy gets. Now the last guy still likes that because that's better than being undrafted. And then you have a little harder way of getting to a, to a mini camp or a, to a summer camp to possibly make a team. Well, Mr. Irrelevant was pretty irrelevant last year. Until the starter got hurt, 
and the second string guy got hurt. And then Mr. Irrelevant, who didn't really have a strong arm, wasn't super athletic. In fact, he was the last guy drafted, became the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. And you know what happened? He took them all the way to the semifinal game before the Super Bowl. And everybody said they would have won the Super Bowl, would have gone to the Super Bowl, but Mr. Irrelevant was the third quarterback hurt for the San Francisco 49ers that day. And talk about bad luck, losing three quarterbacks in one year. But they said he was Mr. Irrelevant, and he came in at game six or game seven and was lighting it up. And they said, well, wait a minute. He didn't look, he didn't look good on paper. He wasn't all that. And they asked the coaches, what, what is it about him? And they said, it's the intangibles. It's the intangibles. It's the things that you can't really see on paper. It's the things that you can't really understand. When you and I look around, we see a building. And sometimes we think, that's the church. It's the tangible things at the table. No. No, it's the intangibles that we need to focus on like righteousness and peace and joy. And the only way to experience the intangibles is to have the Holy Spirit living within us. You see, this is the air we breathe. The very Word of God living and moving us as a church. Well, we're going to try to read the blueprint of the New Testament, especially the book of Acts, over the next few weeks of what the church is supposed to look like. But let's also start praying that the Holy Spirit will give us eyes to see the type of church God wants to have here in New Braunfels. For more information about this podcast and other ministries, visit crossroadstx.church.